was talking to a good friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and we ended up landing on the subject of faith, and what faith is, and how it works, and as we're having this discussion, I keep going back to the same illustration over and over again to help him understand how faith works, and I wanted to use this illustration and share it with all of you today to maybe help you have a clearer understanding of what faith is. Faith is like riding on an airplane. And there's a few different reasons why I think riding in an airplane is a good analogy for faith. For instance, one of the things my friend said is that it's, it's difficult for him to understand how someone can come to have faith in Jesus Christ because of how complicated the Bible is. That there's so much in the Bible, right? You're talking about 66 books of the Bible, you know, thousands of pages to read, and even if you read it from cover to cover, there's still so much you're just not going to understand. And how can anyone come to have a faith in God and in Jesus when there's so much in the Bible to try to wrap your head around? And this brings me to the first use of the airplane analogy, is that airplanes are very complicated pieces of machinery. There's a lot that goes into building an airplane and flying an airplane. However, you do not need to understand just about anything about airplanes in order to travel in one, right? You can have on the same airplane flight someone who has spent their whole life building airplanes or maybe a, a pilot who's piloted all kinds of aircrafts for over half his life. You can have people like that on their airplane as well as a five-year-old child. And that child is able to fly in the airplane just as well as the pilot and the engineer. You see, nobody needs to fully understand everything that the Bible teaches before they are able to place their trust in God. Because the overarching message of the Bible is very simple to understand. Right? If you just boil it down to the most basic parts, the understanding is that God created people, people are not perfect, people sinned, and because of their sin, they needed a Savior, and Jesus came as that Savior to save all people from their sin. That's the message, and that's a very simple message to understand, and that's really all you need to know and understand in order to place your faith in God. This then makes faith very accessible to everyone. You don't need to be a pastor or have a master's in theology in order to understand that message. All you have to believe and understand in order to put your faith in God is that you're not perfect, that God is perfect, and that through the work of Jesus on the cross, your sins can be forgiven. Anyone can do that, and it's that same message that's reflected in Romans chapter 10, where beginning at verse 10, it says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a lot of inclusive language used in that passage. Anyone, all, everyone. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't even matter what kind of sin you wrestle with in your life or how long you've wrestled with it. All that matters is that you believe in who God is and you trust that overarching message of the Bible. You don't need to have the entire theme memorized. You don't even have to have read every single book of the Bible before you are allowed to place your trust in God. This passage shows us that there is no extra requirement for calling on God except to believe in Him. And all you have to do is believe in who God is and believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for salvation to be granted to you. It's all that's required. It's not about how much you know or even how much you understand. It's simply do you believe. And there should never be any other extra limitations placed on faith other than that. No follower of Christ should ever place themselves between God and other people by telling other people that before they can believe in God, they need to act a certain way or do certain things or that they have to read all that the Bible has to say before they can believe in God. Of course, all of those things are helpful, which we'll talk about in just a second, but they are not required for people to believe in God. Anyone can trust in God and have faith in Him and call out to Him no matter who they are or what their life looks like. And in the same way, we shouldn't put those limitations on ourselves by saying, well, I can only follow God once my life looks like this, or as long as I'm struggling with this issue in my life, well, I can't follow God and I have to get my life in order before I can follow God, before I can place my trust in Him before I can walk in believing in the call that he has put on my life. God doesn't require that your life looks perfect before you can trust him with your life. He doesn't even require that you have your life in order before you place your trust in him. He simply says, follow me. And if we believe in him and believe in his words, then we will move forward in that no matter where we're starting from. You don't have to understand everything that's in the Bible before you put your faith in God. Just like how you don't have to understand every way that an airplane works in order to fly on one. Now, with that said... There is certainly a difference, going back to this example, there's certainly a difference between the child that's flying on the airplane and the pilot or the mechanic that is flying on the airplane. Because if you have someone who has spent decades putting together airplanes, maintaining them, repairing them, building them from scratch, or even designing them, Someone who has that amount of knowledge and understanding of how that airplane works is going to appreciate that airplane and believe in it far more than that child would. The child doesn't understand 
the marvel of that big hunk of steel propelling people through the air. It's an incredible mechanical wonder, but the child doesn't really appreciate that. But the person who understands all of the hard work that goes into it, and the history behind it, and all of the mechanics at play, right? All of the different aerodynamics that work in order to allow that airplane to fly, they are going to have a much greater appreciation and belief that that airplane can get them where they need to go far more than that child. And faith, likewise, works the same way. So you don't have to understand everything that's in the Bible. You don't even have to understand most of the Bible in order to have faith in God. But boy, when the more you understand of what the Bible teaches, the more you understand why sin is so destructive and why we so desperately needed God to send his son to be our savior and all that was needed for salvation to break the power of death and sin in your life, the more you understand that, boy, the more you come to appreciate it. And it makes it easier to place your faith in God going forward. A few weeks ago, there was a lady at my church, and I really liked the way that she said this. She said that when she was a child, her relationship with Christ was built on blind faith. But as she began to understand more of the Bible and to study it, her faith grew. You see, faith grows as our understanding of God grows. The more we understand who God is and who we are in comparison to who he is and all that he has done, not just for us personally, but for all people throughout all of history, and we see how he's never broken a promise, See that he has remained faithful and good in all that he does. The more we understand those things, the greater our faith is in God. I really like how in Hebrews 11, which if you're not familiar with Hebrews 11, it's often called the faith chapter or the hall of faith. The way that it begins is by saying, that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It describes faith as having confidence and assurance. And when you have confidence and assurance in something, you don't usually have confidence and assurance of something that you're just now hearing about for the first time, right? If, if you were somebody who literally grew up under a rock, and you'd never even heard of airplanes before, you'd never seen one before, and somebody came to you and said, you know, there's these giant metal contraptions that carry people through the sky, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of confidence and assurance that what that person is talking about really exists. But now let's say that that person spends the next few weeks going over textbooks with you of aerodynamics and the way that it works and the science behind it 
and how airplanes have developed over the years. At that point, even if you still haven't seen one in person, you haven't experienced one, you haven't flown on one, by having that person spend that time explaining everything to you, that's going to begin to build your confidence and assurance that airplanes work and that they're real, even if it's still something that you've never personally experienced. Because that knowledge and understanding of how it works causes your confidence and assurance in that thing, your belief in it, to grow as well. But if that person doesn't spend that time, doesn't spend those weeks teaching you about airplanes, your confidence isn't going to grow. Your assurance isn't going to grow. Right? If you just go right back to living under that rock, and the only time you ever hear anything about the airplanes was that one time who pe- when somebody said they exist, that's your only experience with them, that's your only knowledge of them, your confidence and assurance isn't going to grow. Your faith isn't going to grow. Because faith doesn't grow through ignorance. Which is why I hate the phrase, oh, just take it by faith, or take it on faith. Because they're basically saying, oh, don't ask any questions about it, right? Don't wonder how it works. Don't try to understand it. Just take it by faith. Which shows that people who say that really don't understand the way that faith works. Because faith is in confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And that faith doesn't grow by just staying in ignorance. Faith grows as our knowledge and understanding grows. The more we know who God is, the more knowledge we have of what the Bible teaches us, and the more we understand it, the easier it becomes to put our faith in God. But in order to allow our faith to grow, we have to be willing to ask some of those difficult questions and to answer for others the difficult questions that they ask. And when we ask questions that are difficult about God and about the Bible, that we listen to the answers to those questions. We ask those questions, we listen to the answers to those questions, and we seek to answer those difficult questions of other people in order to deepen our understanding of what the Bible teaches and who God is. And as our understanding of God grows, so too will our confidence in Him and our assurance that He will do what is good and just and loving. And as that understanding grows, our trust in God will grow as well. Faith grows as our understanding of God grows. Now, here's the other part we need to be aware of. Let's go back to this guy living under the rock. Had never heard of an airplane before, never seen one before, until just a few weeks ago, right? And so he spent the few weeks studying about how they work and having it all explained to him. Let's say he then goes on and he becomes an airplane mechanic himself, right? And so he's building airplanes now and he's designing them and he's putting them all together and he sees them, he works on them, 
And let's say he even becomes the top expert in this field, the best of the best in designing and building airplanes. There's still one more question left. Is he willing to fly in one? You see, you can understand everything there is to know about airplanes. You can have grown up around airplanes your whole life, but it still requires trust to board one. Trust that it's going to get you where you need to go. Even if you have experienced flying on an airplane hundreds of times, what about the next one you get on? Do you still trust it? You see, anyone can fly on an airplane, and the more you understand about the airplane, the more you'll appreciate it and believe in it, but there's always still the question of do you trust it? Do you trust it enough to put your life in its hands? Because you could say a hundred times over in a hundred different ways how much you believe that a certain airplane can get somebody from point A to point B. But if you're not willing to actually board the plane and let it take you where it wants to take you, then it doesn't matter what you say because you've shown that you don't trust it. You've shown that you do not put your faith in it. It's the same with God. You can say all you want that you believe in God and that you trust Him. And you can even have a great knowledge and understanding of the entire Bible, cover to cover. But do you trust Him with your life? Are you willing to put your life in His hands? Do you just talk about what the Bible teaches, or do you apply it to your life as well, on a daily basis? Because if you're not willing to apply it, if you're not willing to put it into practice, then it really doesn't matter a whole lot how much you know. And at that point, even that small child who's willing to get on the plane trusts it more than you do, even with all your knowledge and understanding. Jesus even talks about having faith like a child. Because sure, that child may not be able to fully appreciate exactly what the airplane is doing, or maybe not even understand the risks that are involved, but they trust it. And you could be an expert in the laws of aerodynamics, but unless you're willing to trust the airplane, it's not going to be able to do you any good. You see, you can believe in something from a safe distance. But faith is applied when there's a risk or some kind of uncertainty. Do you have the faith in the midst of that risk and uncertainty of not knowing exactly what's going to happen? Do you still have enough trust in what you believe in that you're willing to put your life at risk for it? Because that's what faith looks like. That's how faith works. It's the faith that we see in Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after King Nebuchadnezzar tells them that they need to bow down and worship his image of gold that he has set up because otherwise he's going to throw them into a furnace where they will be burned alive. 
And we see their answer to King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was uncertainty there. They didn't know how this was going to go, and they were putting their lives at risk. But it showed the faith they had in God that they knew through their understanding of who God was, that God had the power to save them. But even with that understanding they had, they were still put in this situation where they had to decide whether or not they were willing to risk their life for what they believed in. And that shows us the faith that they had, because they were willing to apply what they believed in the midst of an uncertain situation where their lives were at risk. But oh, what they were able to experience because of it. That Nebuchadnezzar did throw them into the furnace, and yet they did not burn. The ropes that bound them, they burned off, but they were not harmed. Not a single burn was on them, and they didn't even smell like fire or smoke when they came out. That was the level of protection that God gave them. And the only way that they were able to experience that mighty work of God was because of the faith that they had in God. To trust God to lead them through the furnace. Can you imagine how much easier it would have been for them to continue to have faith in God after an experience like that? To know that God had brought you through that fiery furnace without a single burn on your body. And then the next threat comes along. How much easier would it be to trust God with what happens next? It would still require that trust, right? You can fly on a plane a hundred times. What about the hundred and first time? Do you still trust the plane? But the more and more you experience it, the easier it becomes. But sometimes, when we haven't really experienced it at all for whatever reason in our life, sometimes that first step of faith is the most difficult. And that's something that we who have been followers of Christ for a long time, I think that's something we often forget about when it comes to people who are hesitant to put their faith in God for the first time. They don't have that same kind of experience we do, and it's so much more frightening for them because they've never done it before. They've never experienced the faithfulness of God. But when you have experienced that, and the more you experience God's faithfulness, the easier it is to trust him going forward. But God is only able to show us his faithfulness when we allow him to lead us into situations where there is risk and uncertainty. 
But when we allow God to lead us into situations like that, then we are providing the opportunity for God to show his faithfulness to us. And we need to allow God to lead us in those places. And so I want to leave you today with this question. What areas of your life do you need to trust God with? Where can you put your faith in him? What is he trying to call you into where there's probably uncertainty and risk? But also in that path, he is waiting to show you his faithfulness. It's not just believing in God. It's being willing to put your faith in him and trusting him to lead you through whatever life throws at you. Whatever dark valley that God wants to bring his light into through you, do you trust him to lead you in those places? What is there in your life that you're holding back from God because you don't yet trust him with it? It's time to let it go and give it to God. Take the step of faith. Because God is faithful and he won't let you down. He always comes through. He never breaks his promises. And there is no power in this world that is greater than him. So that's today's sermon in the pocket. Faith is like an airplane. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And if you like this content, you like my sermons, and want to support what I'm doing here, want to support this ministry, the best way to do that is to just, wherever you're listening to this, like it, comment, share, all of those things that help get the message out. I do also have a Patreon if you want to do that. I don't really like promoting that, but I do every once in a while. But until next time, I pray that you will learn to trust God with your life. Because it's the most wonderful decision that you can make. And it's my prayer that as you trust God, that he blesses you in reward for your faith. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.